morning, friends. Please stand with me and let's praise our Heavenly Father. Are you excited to be here? I am. Yeah. Woo. Welcome to First Prez. Those of us here in this room, crowded in as we are, those of you who are with us online, everybody, we're all welcome here together. What an exciting thing to be a part of what we're a part of. Real relationships, real transformation. That's what we're about at First Presbyterian Church. That's what this family is all about. Welcome here this morning. There is a way that you can let us know you're here if you would like to do it. We'd love to have you do it. We call it a QR code getting you to the Connect card. And the Connect card is a way for us to find out who you are and we'll do what it says. We'll connect you in some way, shape, or form in whatever way you suggest and ask and we'll get you hooked up in, in ways that are meaningful and helpful for you. Also this morning, as you can see online, everyone knows it in the room, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper this morning. If you are watching online, now would be a great time for you to go and get communion elements. Anything works, anything to eat, anything to drink, and that's a way that you can participate online as well as us here in the room. Whenever we're together, 
we stop and we pray, and that's what we're going to do now. So I'm honored to be able to represent your hearts as we bring important things before God. So let me pray with us and for us to God. Gracious God, we ask you to be with the friends and family members who are part of this family who are sad, who are grieving. We ask you to be with Mary Murray and her family in the loss of her mother two weeks ago and in her father's death just Wednesday. Be with the Murrays. Be with Mary. Be with all her siblings. We ask you to be with Carrie Showalter, this good man, and his family as he grieves the death of his dad last week. Gracious God, we give you thanksgiving for the marriage that took place last night of Aubrey Burris and Cameron Von Thron. Thank you for their, their love for each other, their love for you, and their engagement in this family. And as we always do, gracious God, here with these ribbons beside me, we pray for Jackie. We pray that you would encourage her. We pray that you would encourage her family. We thank you, gracious God, that you are always with us even when we don't know it. And we ask you to be that with the, with the Fairclaw family right now. Gracious God, all these things, we want to be authentic with you and with each other, and we want our lives to change because of it. Be with us now in this season of Advent. Come to us and make us into your men, your women, your little boys, and your little girls, that we can love you and serve your world with the newness of life that comes from being connected to Jesus. And all this we sing and celebrate. Amen. Got it. Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff and session here at First Pres. And I just wanted to welcome you and tell you all a couple things we have going on in the life of this church. The first is that right after the service out front, we are selling beautiful ornaments for Christmas that are hand-painted by Meg Britton. I see that we have the wrong announcement. I'm sorry if I've gone out of order. Um, (laughs) um, But they are beautiful ornaments hand-painted by Meg Britton, and it is of the outside of our old sanctuary at 412 Zach Street. And so you can pay cash, you can pay by check or Venmo. They're $10, they're at cost, and they're beautiful. The other announcement you just saw is about the pajama jam. These are for all children, birth through fifth grade. This Thursday night, December 9th, we are having a parents' night out. It's a drop-in from 5 to 9. It's free. We take care of your kid. We feed them. We have fun. This is like a no-brainer for parents. So we want you to register on our website and join us this Thursday night. If you if your kids go to bed early and you just want to have them come from like 5 to 6 or 5 to 7, that's fine. Or if you're like, yep, four nights, four hours, 5 to 9, see you all later, we want them to stay for the whole time. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to tell you all about is our Christmas Eve service, which this year we are going to have it at Palmasia Golf and Country Club. It's going to be at 4 p.m. We're going to have one big service in the ballroom. We are so excited and grateful that Palmasia is letting us have the space 
If we were to do it here, we'd probably do it seven times on the 24th. So instead, we're going to do it one big time at Palmasia. So we want you to come. And the only, uh, there's no registration. There's been confusion. No registration. Show up, 4 p.m., Christmas Eve. The only thing we require registration for is that we have a uh, birth through pre-K-3. We're going to have child care available in their little kinder care section. So you can register your child for that. But we're inviting all kids ages pre-K-4 and older to sit with their parents in the service. So we hope you'll join us for this special Christmas Eve service. Thanks. This morning we have the privilege of celebrating baptism. Isn't that an amazing sign of God's goodness to us? And isn't it wonderful that we all get to be a part of this moment in the life of this family? Because you have a role to play as well. I want to invite Jeannie and John Hutchins to come forward with their little girl, Anna Carol. Carol is the name of Jeannie's mom, who is celebrating in heaven as we gather. And Bill is here, Granddad Bill, and Mary and George Hutchins are here, grandparents. We're so grateful you're here. And all kinds of aunts and uncles and cousins. We welcome all of you and so thankful that you would join us. Aunts, uncles, cousins, we are one big family when we think about what it means to be followers of Jesus, and that's, that's what you're pledging to be as a good family member. I want to just remind you that this is a real thing that's taking place. This is about a covenant. This is about God's love for us, and God will never quit loving us. And everybody's looking at that baby and not me. <laughs> so I will stop. Just let, remind you that the, the vow you made to trust Jesus Christ with your life, reaffirm it right now as this mom and this dad commit themselves to raising that little girl so that she will one day decide to be a Jesus follower for herself. Mm -hmm. Jeannie and John, as you present little Anna Carroll for baptism this morning, do you claim that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. We do. Will you teach her about Jesus? Will you read the Bible to her? Pray for her, pray with her, and show her what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. If so, say, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. And now I want to ask all of you, in the name of the church, will you now promise to care for this family, to support this family with your prayers, with your love, and encourage this little one so that one day Anna will be able to say on her own, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If so, say we will. We will. I want you to understand that you are like godparents to her. This is real. What you just promised is that you're going to bake into this family all the love and support that you can give them so that she will join in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, may I have her? Come here, sweet girl. Anna Carol Hutchins, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all look what God has done. And you can applaud God for that.
God has given so generously to us. And it's always just as personal as the way that you pick out a gift for someone you love. It's always that personal. It's God's way of saying, I love you. I want to delight you. I want to take care of you because you matter to me. Friends, you have been communicating the same messages when you've taken the angels off the angel tree for foster children outside. That's the message that you are sending them. To children like Emily, most of the children on the angel tree are ages 1 to 12, but I found a 16-year-old. Her name is Emily, as I said, and Emily's wish list includes a new pair of pants, some shoes, a sketch pad, but it also included an urn, a necklace that says Mom and Sabrina. Her wish list reveals her heartache and her loss. And you and I get to make sure that Jesus speaks into her heart with his love through you. We get to do that also with the women that we are reaching through the ministry of created. Women whose names are cherished by God, but these women get the message that they don't matter and they are worth nothing. You and I get to speak God's message that you matter. I love you. You're my cherished daughter into their lives. By giving back to God, that's what you're doing. It's personal. And here are five ways that you can give back to God, including a generosity box in the back of the room on the back counter. What I want you to understand is that giving back to God is so much more impactful than you could ever have imagined. I hope you'll walk away praying for Emily and for women that think they don't matter to us or to God. Thank you so much. Please join us and stand.
Thank you. The children are lined up for lunch in the cafeteria of a Catholic elementary school. At the head of the table is a huge bowl filled with apples. A nun has attached a note to the bowl of apples. Take only one. God is watching. <laughs> At the end of the table, there's a huge pile of chocolate chip cookies. A kid posted a note on that. Take all you want. God's watching the apples. <laughs> so... That's pretty good. 
we're wondering in life, is God watching? Is God paying attention? And last week, we, in this series, Advent, where the coming of the Messiah, as we wait here for you. So last week, we talked about waiting, and we can all sense it. There's stuff, circumstances, and it's just not right yet, and we're waiting for it. And so the waiting is not easy. And so we are, we're allowing ourselves to understand that that's a part of what it means to be on this journey of hope. We are waiting here for you this Advent season. We are waiting, and it's a journey of hope. We don't quit giving hope, but it's not hard to begin to wonder, does God really even see me? Is God watching what I'm doing? In fact, it's not hard for several of us, maybe because of the difficulties to go, I'm quite certain I don't feel God has any idea what's going on with me. That might be where some of you are, somebody you care about. So that, that's what we did last week. We thought a little bit about waiting. And today we want to think more about here. Let's think about what's here, circumstances. Does God really know what's going on with me right now here where I am? Or is God busy somewhere else? Or does God just not notice? Or does God just not care? Or whatever. And we, we here at First Pres, this family, we've been, we've been going through a lot of waiting and a lot of here and a lot of wondering, a lot of things that aren't sorted out yet. And so I want to take a minute just for a commercial announcement. Some of you may see this coming soon. We realize that you're waiting here for a chair so you can sit down. And so what we're doing is this. We know you want us to make room for your friends. We know you want for people to be able, you're good at inviting people. We know you want to invite people. We know that you want there to be a place for them. And so early in 2022, we're going to do this twice on Sunday mornings. And so wait here and we'll pull it off. You know what I'm saying? I want us to be a little church in the sense of real relationships with real transformation, but I want us to have a lot of people. So wait be with us, keep coming, keep inviting, and we'll be ready to do this double early next year. And some of you have these cards, and we placed them around. We just wanted to make sure that that message got out and got out clearly and happily because you're good at this, really good at it. But back to here and the circumstances are about here. One of the things I think that may be true for some of you, insurmountable odds. My guess is that if you don't feel that, you know somebody who's up against them could be lots of different kinds of features in their life, and they just don't seem like they're going to be able to get through it. But it's a journey of hope, and what we want to do is remind ourselves that God is a God who is here and who keeps his promises, and we're not the first people who are trying to know what it means to trust God while we wait here in our circumstances. And we're going to look at some people of God a long time ago who are waiting for God when it just appeared there was no God. Let's go way, way back, 700 years before Jesus. We're going to read now from a prophet. His name is Isaiah. And the, the job of the prophet was to speak God's word to the people. And so Isaiah is in the area of, of Jerusalem, and he's telling people about what God means and wants. And these people are in deep turmoil because their whole world has been turned upside down politically and militarily. They've been devastated by megapower Assyria in modern-day Iran-Iraq. Came over and crushed them. 
And the king of Judah, the kingdom in and around Jerusalem, hears that a civil war is about to break out. In other words, Israel is like the United States was. It's sort of two countries and one at the same time. And Abraham Lincoln hears that Jefferson Davis has declared himself president of the Confederacy and a war is about to happen. That's what's going on here. Ahaz, in and around Jerusalem, hears that the northern part of their country is going to wage war against them with another neighbor. Chaos. And Isaiah the prophet, who's saying, we're on a journey of hope. This is a nightmare. All of their beautiful buildings have been destroyed. The mega power is waiting to launch again on them. And Isaiah steps up and says this. The people walking in darkness, that's their here, darkness. And they mean military, political darkness. Want a modern equivalent? Go to Haiti. Waiting. Waiting. In real circumstances that are terrible. They're in darkness, these people. But they've seen a great light. Isaiah the prophet is saying that the almighty God of the universe who has promised since page 12, Genesis chapter 12, God has promised, I'm going to make you a huge nation and I'm going to use you to make every person on the earth, every family on earth, all, I'm going to use you, people of Israel, to tell everybody I love them that they can experience me. And it's chaos militarily and religiously. These people have gone nuts. They've totally broken the covenant. They're completely outside of living anything like a faithful covenant love relationship with God. They're a mess. They've seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, Isaiah the prophet repeating in poetic way his words, a light has dawned. Can you see the light? Can they see it? I don't think many of them did. But it's a journey of hope. It's a journey of trust. Isaiah keeps going. Here's, here's what's going to happen to these people. Uh, detect, there we go. Here is what Isaiah is saying the people have seen. You have enlarged the nation. That is, God has and increased their joy. Really? Doesn't look like it. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. In other words, the way that the people of Israel are going to feel when the light shines is going to be like the way we celebrate it as a harvest. And then he restates the point using a different metaphor. They, as warriors, rejoice when dividing the plunder, when you win the battle and you get to take the spoil. That's how excited everybody's going to be. And the people hearing Isaiah are saying, where is it? Journey of hope. On goes Isaiah the prophet. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, that's just a great battle. That's like Washington crossing the Delaware. So you and I don't know what that means, but that's what it meant to them. A great win for us. As in those days, God, you've shattered the yoke, the heavy burden, the bar across the shoulders, the rod, the burden, the yoke of the oppressor, that big mega power. You've shattered it. Well, they, don't see, they still don't see it. Because that's not their current here circumstances. But Isaiah continues. He will not quit. Isaiah does not lose hope. Every war, the, the, the accoutrements of war are going to be destroyed. That's what this means. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. All of those symbols and realities of war are going to be gone. And they're still looking around and all they see is a mess. And now here comes the whammy. Watch this. For unto us a child is born. 
unto us a son is given. And the government, the one that's corrupt and broken and chaotic right now, the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. So this is 700 years before Jesus. And the people of Israel saw some restoration. So in the first way through the lens of this prophet prophetic words. But you and I look back through Jesus. And bam! So... The here continues on with the prophecy because we have one more verse here, verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The theme here is that God is going to keep his promise and there will be one who will eliminate all the brokenness and the chaos politically and otherwise and we will be restored forever and eternally by the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. The government, peace will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. David, the great king, when every th two chariots in every driveway, plenty of chickens in every pot, <laughs> militarily strong, great warrior. People didn't mess with us. That's their way of thinking about the golden age. And this is going to be even better. He'll reign on David's throne, will this one, the son who's given. And over his kingdom, he's going to reign over his kingdom. He's going to establish and uphold it with justice. It's all going to be fair and right. Wow. Now, again, look around. Doesn't seem that way right now, but Isaiah walks around saying this over and over again. It's going to be just and righteousness from that time on and forever. And then here's the last line. I love this. The last half of love. Look at this. The zeal. The juice, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the fired upness of the Almighty God. That's how this is going to get done. Do this for me now. Leap forward 700 years into a new set of here circumstances. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. 700 years later, still in and around Jerusalem, that same place where Isaiah walked and talked, the same place that people had suffered the misery of being occupied by a megapower. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's just look at this for a few minutes. This is probably getting into people's hands at about 65 or 70 A.D. Let's think for a minute about the here circumstances of 65 or 70 A.D., remembering, like the people of Israel 700 years earlier, we can't always see God's hands, but we can trust in God's heart. That's what it means to be on a journey of hope. We can't always see God's hands, but we can trust in God's heart. Boom, first century, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's put that text back up if we could. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, What's happening in Jerusalem in 70 AD? The earliest followers of Jesus, who are mostly around Jerusalem, are also Jewish people who had become Jesus followers. You know what's happening? The emperor of Rome has decided to attack Jerusalem and does. Destroys it. It's equivalent to having us lost World War II 
Hitler comes across the Atlantic and decimates the mall in Washington, D.C. He takes down the monument, takes down the memorials, takes down the Capitol building, takes down the White House. That's what's happening right now. What are you talking about good news? The beginning of the gospel, I, I need to tell you the Greek. The beginning of the gospel, that's a fancy word for us. Euangelion is the Greek word. Good news, good message. Good? What's good about this? The people of Jesus, the people of Jesus are being martyred by official decree by the emperor of Rome. In Rome and in this battle, they're being killed. And somehow Mark, the gospel writer, announces that this is good news. You don't know this. Some of you maybe. Those are the exactly the same words in the beginning that the whole book starts with. Hyperlink, Genesis 1, 1. You're not a Jewish person, so you didn't do that naturally. But I want you to understand why I'm telling you this. God makes promises and keeps them. And this promise connects all the way back to God making all reality in the universe. Cha-ching. In the beginning, good news. Ooh is good. Angelian is message or news. God announces good news in the midst of political chaos, pain, unfairness, suffering. Again, want a modern equivalent? Go to Afghanistan. It's a mess. And we can't always see God's hands at work, but we can trust God's heart. We're tempted, I think, to place our ultimate trust our ultimate hope, this journey of hope, we're tempted to place our trust and hope in something other than God. And every time we do it, we get hurt. We can't place our trust in anything other than God, and if we do, we will be hurt. Illustration, Tony Dungy. If you don't know who he is, that's okay. He used to coach the Tampa Bay Bucks, got us almost good enough to win the Super Bowl in 2004, Left and went to Indianapolis, 1-1, Super Bowl, with Peyton Manning quarterbacking the then Indianapolis Colts, right? Tony Dungy. A year ago, two years ago in February, Tony spoke to a group of men at our man camp up at Crystal River, and Tony stood in front of us, just to remind you of his resume, Tony Dungy, national broadcaster, Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning coach. Tony Dungy, coach of the Bucks, who we love because we know he's a man of integrity and he's a man of Jesus follower. We love Tony Dungy. We all do. Played football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. As a rookie, here's what you, some of you will remember, Chuck Knoll, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. What Chuck Knoll said to all of them, and Tony told us, he said this. Chuck Knoll looked at us and said, do not make football your biggest priority. If you do, it will disappoint you. Huh? And isn't it tempting? This is the National Football League, a head coach, saying that to his players. And he loses his job if they don't win. But he was right because he knows 
that the football, as important as it is, it's about fourth down the list. Yes, give great effort to football. But if we trust, put ourselves, our ultimate trust in anything other than the almighty God of the universe who we know in Jesus, it will hurt us. That's what's going to happen to us. Which brings me to the wreath. Hope, peace, joy, love. Hope, peace, joy, love. Hope, peace, joy, love. The only way we find hope, peace, joy, and love is in a relationship with the Almighty God who made us. Nothing else can give us, while we wait here, nothing else, circumstances, insurmountable odds, nothing else will provide hope, peace, joy, and love. It comes from our connectedness. It comes from being surrendered to, from being a loyal, obedient servant in love with the Almighty God, the universe, who we know in Jesus Christ. So we're waiting here, and we can't always see God's hands at work, but we can trust God's heart. Some things that might be tempting to trust. I'll just pick a couple. Stuff that I think some of us might trust instead of trusting the Almighty God. These are really easy to kind of fall into. Technology. Here's maybe what we thought about technology. Maybe we thought, man, it's going to make my job go better. It's going to make me, I'm going to save time. Ha! Ha! You're addicted. You are addicted to it. <laughs> So am I. I'm getting text messages even right now. Here's what happens with these things. We have more information at our fingertips than any human beings have ever had in history. This is a real thing. And you know what happens to us because of it? We worry. We're unbelievably anxious. Technology is a great thing. But the way we say it around here, it's a great servant. It's a horrendous master. Money. This one sort of falls over easily. Here's what I think is the case with us. I, just me. Maybe you. I want more. <laughs> it's just that simple. I, I, have a, I want more. I have this, but I see that one. It's a little bigger and a little nicer. And guess what? I want that one. I'm, I couldn't be more comfortable in my life, but I'm just telling you the truth. I want more. Now, if you don't have enough to like get you above the like the... If you're just treading water, barely hanging on. Wasn't that powerful what Kathy said about that little girl who wanted an urn for her mother? That's somebody put, uh, somebody in the room may be barely treading water, but most of us have enough. And I, if you're like me, you just want more. And money is a phenomenal servant, but a deadly master. If we put our ultimate trust in anything other than Jesus Christ, it will hurt us. I'll just mention one other one. And I, I like to do this because the people who are struggling with these issue, issues always thank me. Addiction. Here's the thing with it. If you've lost hope or someone you love has lost hope and is confused and battling things on the inside... And the next thing that you know, they're using substance, and then they can't not use it. 
It's a hard, hard thing. Oh, and we just love each other well to help people get past that. But what happens is we start drinking from the bottle, but then the bottle drinks us. If we put our ultimate trust in anything else other than Jesus Christ, the one who's coming, the one we're waiting for, the one who's, who recognizes that our circumstances are what they are, even though we may not even see that he's there, he's there. Jesus is there. And, and what happens with a journey of hope kind of perspective is what we do is this. At the Christmas season in our culture, we just sort of burn away all the fluff. I love the parties. I love the sentimentality. I love singing and all these silly songs, jingle bells. We wish you a merry, all of that. I love it. But you know what? Underneath all of that is content. It's the Messiah who we're waiting for. We're on a journey of hope. And this Messiah, we already know how the story ends. Aren't we glad that we know how the story ends? Jesus is not fluff. Jesus is real. Jesus is one, a son, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, whose kingdom will last forever, said Isaiah. So I'm pointing down at the bread, and I'm pointing down at the cup. And I want you to understand what this means as we share in this today. God is zooming in here, right now. God is here. Where is God? Is God just asleep? Is God not watching the chocolate chip cookies? Oh, yes. God is watching. We see God's hands now. They're pierced. We can trust God's heart because we know pierced hands. We love cross. We know what happens. We're on a journey of hope. Some of it is just seemingly insurmountable. But right now, today, in these next moments, God is here with us. And that's the meaning of what you have in your hand. So let me step around. We will do all this together after I remind us again of the meaning. Jesus took bread when he was with his closest friends who were the senior leaders of the Christian movement. And he broke that bread and he said, This bread is my pierced hands, pierced for you, that you might live through insurmountable circumstances as my obedient son and daughter. He also, after the meal, took a cup. In your hands and in this cup is grape juice, not wine, but it would have been wine. And he said, this wine is really my blood spilled for you, proving to you that I am here with you now and all of the insurmountable odds that you faced, I've faced worse. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, friends, 
we announce to ourselves and to the world that we're on a journey of hope, trusting in Jesus Christ. Circumstances be what they may be. Feed now by faith. If you hesitated because you want gluten-free, they're on the back table back there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot to say that a minute ago. <laughs> Friends, allow me. Within your mind's eye, your hands on, your eyes on the hands of Jesus, your heart on the heart of Jesus, let me pray for us. We thank you, gracious God, that you have always been present in circumstances. 700 years before Jesus, at the time of Jesus, and 2,000 years later right now, December 5th, 2021. You're here with us. We may not see all of it, but we trust you, and we can see your hands. They're bleeding, and we know your heart. You love us. Thank you, gracious God, that we, your sons and daughters, get to live in this journey of hope, trusting you, giving ourselves back to you because you gave to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, let me invite you to stand. You can deposit your empties in the little bowls underneath you. And we're going to sing the outro here as we reprise one of the great tunes we've done this morning. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and